You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm ready to uh, answer some Twitter questions. Yeah. Let's, let's get to it. Yeah, let's, let's jump right in. I asked you guys today on Twitter for your questions, and the feedback was phenomenal. I think I had over 100 questions that you guys sent to me. Obviously, yeah, I know. Obviously, we're not going to get to every single one, but we're going to try to do this as quickly as possible. Um, in a, listen, I'm terrible at uh, pronouncing names, so if I get your name wrong, don't be offended. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, our first one from Colin Folsom. Uh, do you think adding a solid safety to the roster would complete our defense? Yeah, I mean, I think that really, if you could find a way to either get a you know better than average version of a strong safety or a free safety, it could really help because either way, you could get put Jeff Heath in as your you know kind of third safety who could play either spot. Uh, if you get a strong safety or if you get a really good topper free safety, I, I think either way, it's it sort of would have the same effect as getting Amari Cooper would get, right? Where suddenly all those pieces that you have beneath that player kind of fall into place well. So, yeah, I think it absolutely would. Who do you think has been their best safety so far this season? I don't know. You know, I, I feel like I, I think it's hard for me. It depends for us on the to, game. It, it really depends yeah, on the I, week. I, I mean, I think, yeah, it, it, it probably is. And, and I think that Woods has probably been better than – he's gotten no credit. Not that he's really done much. But I, I feel like, you know, considering he's not playing out, you know, 50 yards off the line of scrimmage right. and, and we're – you know, I think he's been playing pretty good mostly. So I just don't know that he's made any noticeable plays as of late. But I feel like they – yeah, I, I would agree with you. They probably alternate week to week. All right, our next question from at Mr. Selfmade80. Is Paul Alexander's technique the number one reason the offensive line is struggling, especially Collins? And will they consider promoting Mark Colombo as the offensive line coach next season? Uh, you know, it's tough to say. I mean, I think that it's possible that his technique uh, is contributing to some of the issues, but I have a hard time watching some of what's going on with Lael Collins and, you know, Tyron Smith and thinking that it has to do with his technique, you know, I mean, I think, or like, you know, the, the, a taught technique that Alexander's getting them to do. Right. Right. There are times when they are just being physically beat in ways that they haven't in a long time or, you know, Collins specifically getting physically dominated. So, um, you know, I, I, I think everyone wants to kind of reach for one thing that's the problem. I tend to think that it's probably a triangulation between several different things. And I'm sure Paula Alexander, uh, the change in technique is probably in the mix there somewhere. All right. Our next question comes from Tyler Jagai. It says, what moves would you make to get the Cowboys back to the Super Bowl? And let's go ahead and assume this is like in the offseason hmm. because there's there's really not too much you can do right now that's going to ensure that they have a playoff team. It's just too far into the season. So what are your one or two moves that you would make this offseason uh, to kind of get the Cowboys back into contention? 
Well, I think, you know, you, you got to look and see exactly what's available, what moves are available to be made, you know, and I think that's part of the reason that you are giving up a first round pick for an Amari Cooper right now is because you may not get an opportunity with your first round pick to improve your team, especially on the offensive side, the way you would uh, by using that first round pick of, on Amari Cooper. Um, and so I, I think, you know, along those lines, what you need to kind of think about is the context of, of, you know, what, what, what's not only what, what we're missing, but what's available and what's, what's gettable for us and what's gettable at a price is what's gettable at a price that's, you know, worth paying for the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I think that there's still some improvement to be made on, uh, at the tight end spot. Um, I, you know, and I, I, that may not even need to wait until, um, the off season. I mean, that right. could be something that they could improve s- sooner than later. Uh, I want to see what the rest of the season holds, but you know, we may need to have a conversation about offensive linemen. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to bring that up and I hate even saying it out loud, but I mean, that might be a very real possibility when we get down the road. Uh, you know, I think defensive lineman is also going to be a spot because you have a lot of guys who are kind of on nebulous deals. So, especially in the interior. Um, yeah, um, you know, I think, I, I think that they're not terribly far away talent wise, uh, talent acquisition wise from from being that level of team. I think that it's kind of more of just getting all the pieces that you have going in the right direction a little bit better. I think, you know, things were obviously really shook up in this last off season. And I feel like, especially with Cooper, now yes, you have yes, yes. a lot of the talent it's, but it's, it's really kind of just, okay, let's, let's get everyone going in the right direction. The offensive line's just got to get back to where it was playing, you know, at least close to where it was playing before in order for this thing to keep moving. I'm glad that you mentioned Cooper and the offense, because when we talked about this on, uh, the show on Monday when the Cowboys traded for Cooper is all of a sudden your pieces start to make sense on offense with, you know, Michael Gallup being a number two receiver, Cole Beasley being a slot receiver, Tavon being your number four kind of gadget guy. That all makes sense. If Travis Frederick can come back next year and be the same player that we are used to him being Connor Williams in his second year, I think those two things alone will make the offensive line better. But you're right. The, the, the line has to play better if the Cowboys want to be, a contender next season. Uh, this one is from Omar. Uh, Landon, could you take Marcus in a fight? Ooh. You know, the funny thing about Marcus and I is that I, I, I've seen, like, <laughs> two pictures of Marcus, and one was zoomed in on his face. And, and I have no idea what Marcus's stats I'm are or what his foot reach nine, is. I'm 6'9", 285 uh-huh. pounds. No. <laughs> pro- pro- probably not then. Um, I, I, I would never take Marcus in a fight because Marcus is my pal and my buddy, and we uh, – uh, who else am I going to yell at on Twitter? All I, I will say yes. It, you know, Being an East Coast guy, there's just a natural toughness about you when you, you're <laughs> – Living in snow nine months out of the year. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. let's pause so we can take a break so I can tell you guys about Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being in the crowd to cheer on your favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend a concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, 
Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save you even more money. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. And then use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has, the all, has it all. Download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Uh, the next question we have is from Ken. Will Garrett and Linehan go as a pair this offseason, or will another offensive coordinator get a chance under Garrett? Uh, I think that's an interesting question. Are they kind of a package deal right now, or do you think they could maybe one could be fired and the other one could stay? I, I, I hope not. I, I mean, I don't think they should be. Like, I, I think that I think that Linehan – I think Garrett should be given an opportunity with another offensive coordinator before being let go himself because, you know, here's my thing is that you can say what you want about the offense as a whole. And, and we could argue the merits of how the of play calling goes with offensive side of the ball. I like, I like Garrett as a head coach. Like, I think that the system that he puts in, like, the the day-to-day operation of what his job description is, and I know this is probably not a very popular opinion, but I think that his system is one that works well. And I think that that's – and the way the the operation runs, as far as that goes, uh, is effective. Now, I would not at all be opposed to getting a – maybe a more independent and strong offensive coordinator underneath him. Um, and that, does and, that include and, getting rid of Kellen Moore as the quarterback coach? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I maybe, I mean, yeah. I'm assuming that with offensive coordinators come, you know, a certain amount of change in the offensive personnel, uh, offensive coaching. Sure. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not, uh, yeah, like if offensive coordinator changes, I'm, I'm open to any changes underneath them. I, I'd like to keep someone like Sanjay Lal, I think, because I feel like he's a bright young coach. Um, but outside of that, like, uh, and I think they like Nussmeyer a little bit. I agree. Um, but I, I think outside of that, like, I'm not, you know, beholden to any of these guys, especially if we're getting a new offensive coordinator. I would rather the offensive coordinator be able to, you know, pick his groceries, so to speak. All right, the next question comes from Matt Peterson, and I really like this question. Uh, Which of these three players is the most likely to be starting for the Cowboys in week one of 2019? Is it Sean Lee, David Irving, or Earl Thomas? Man, that's good. (laughs) That's that's a tough one. Uh, my My gut says it's David Irving. Yeah, that's actually what my gut says too. But... Week one. When's the last time I, I, David Irving's played well, a week one game? Well, that's a good point. The <laughs> fact that week one caveat actually is kind of a thing. Um, I still think I think I'm going to go with Irving. I just feel like after all that's happened this year, you know, if if he really has kind of managed to kind of figure the stabilization of his life out a little bit and get clean, he's. He's probably going to resign with the Cowboys for another prove it deal. I imagine, I would right? Think, like, especially I, considering I, what the Jones family has done to kind of help him 
stay on the right track or at least try to get yeah. back on the right track. Yeah, I feel like um I feel like that's that's likely and 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 I you know obviously he's so talented that if, if the the question really is about like you said whether he's suspended or sure. not the first but I, I honestly I I don't know why maybe I'm a sucker but I I believe that that, that this you know Irving's kind of learned his lesson here I, maybe he's not but I, I feel like what he's been through the last year and a half this isn't exactly you know the normal. David Irving's a little bit immature, you know, but I also think that outside of that, he has had some things happen to him that are awful that he's had to yes. go through. Yes. Um, and so I, I think he, one of two things is usually happens when you go through something like that. Either you grow up a little bit and you straighten out um, or you don't learn your lesson and you continue to make these mistakes the rest of your life. I, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that, Irving realizes what he has at stake at this point. He's already kind of almost given up his opportunity twice. And frankly, because he's such a freak of nature is the only reason he's getting a third chance. I'm, I'm choosing to believe that though David is immature, he's not, I don't think he's dumb. I think he's actually a pretty smart guy from interviews and you hear him talk. He seems like he, he understands what's going on. That doesn't always necessarily mean that he'll make the right, right. decision. But I, I think that, Hopefully he's examined what has happened, realizes that he needs to be making decisions for his little girl uh, and now, and that that means you know stabilizing his life and, and, and making a career for himself. He has an, he has an incredible opportunity to set up his daughter for the rest of her life if he can just get his game to get his life together a little bit uh, and kind of uh, ignore what's going on with his ex, unfortunately. Um, but, but if he can do that, I, I think David's smart is a smart guy, and he he recognizes that. Um, and I think he's you know, despite the d- failed drug tests and all this stuff, I think all the steps he's taken of going into rehab, getting his stuff clean, I think those are all positive steps, and that he's taking steps in the right direction. And, and thinking kind of logically about this, I don't see as talented as, as he is, I don't see somebody offering him a long term contract after this year. I don't even see a team offering a big one-year deal just considering uh, the injuries and the suspension and everything going on with him. So my guess is that he's probably going to end up back in Dallas on a one-year prove-it deal with the idea that if he can put together a 14 to 16 game season, then he'll get his big payday in 2020. Um, At least that's kind of what I believe. Now, let me flip this around one more time for you. Uh, Between Sean Lee and Earl Thomas, which one is least likely to be on the Cowboys roster next season? I, I, I'm going to say Earl Thomas, I think. I think. The fact that it's even this close is kind of interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem is is that, you know, there's, there's going to be a bidding war. Um, you know, I think that they like Sean Lee enough that Depending on what's his number next year, do you know off the top of your head? It's like ten. I don't know, 6. man. That's like a that's like a fifty fifty. I, I that's really tough. I think it, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. Real quick, I can look it up. This is bad radio, but it's all right. No, I mean, I, I I have to think that. I mean, I know his number is not exactly <laughs> something that you want to eat as a backup linebacker, especially for a guy you know isn't going to probably play any special teams. So. um you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 the, and the other element too is that you know 
that he may retire. Maybe he retires. Who knows? Well, like he, Next uh, year will be the final year of his deal for the Cowboys, and um, his cap number is just over $10 million next year. Now, the Cowboys, uh, could get out, the Cowboys could get out of his deal and cut him and save $7 million, and there would be about $3 million in dead money. Um, but basically, well, is, is, is it I worth having that, a $7 million linebacker on your team? Well, I mean, especially when you could use that $7 million on Earl Thomas. Um uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe Earl Thomas then. Yeah, because I think they're going to have some the, interesting the, decisions with linebacker because yes. they also have uh, they have Joe Thomas next year. I think who is due two million dollars, and I like Joe Thomas. I think he's I think I'm, he's worth I'm, that money. I'll pay that. Yeah, I'll right. pay that. No, now no Damian Wilson is also a free agent. Is that somebody that you can let go and just pick up in the draft or pick up you know a cheaper option in free agency? I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm just I think curious so. to see what the Cowboys do with Damian Wilson. I think you just keep keep drafting mid mid round linebackers as kind of a floater guy, you know, and special teams guy. They've had good success there. All right, this next question is one that somebody threw to me. Just throw it, Dak is this person's name, which I find funny. Uh, but this is one I I want to know your answer because you saw this in training camp. Why have we not seen more RPOs from the Cowboys' offense this season? Because I remember talking about this in August, how this was uh, you know, something that they were running a lot in training camp, and now we haven't seen it a ton this year. What do you think is going on there? I mean, I think I feel like we've seen a good portion of RPOs. I mean, I, I don't know that... Not as many as I was thinking, been... though. Like, I thought this was going to be an RPO-heavy offense. It's, it's mixed in there, mm-hmm. sprinkled in, but... Well, I mean, I, I don't think you, like... You know, it's it's not like a it's not something that you're always you know, you can you can only run it from one formation, you know, you can, or well not one formation, but you can only you kind of can only run it from certain formations, right. I guess you yeah. should, I should say. Um, you know, so I think that you know when they're in that formation and I think you, what you might see is a, a more of an uptick of it. You you talked about Dak wanting to go fast and that sort of thing and you know, RPOs help that a lot, right? Because you can run that similar formation and kind of just either call a pass, call an RPO, call a run, you know. And and I, I think the reason we haven't seen it maybe as much is that I, I, I wonder – I, I think that a lot – I wonder how much of the sales of that got taken out by the fact that they didn't have – a as reliable tight end receiving option. We did see a lot of it in training camp. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to deny point, that. Though. I mean, because tight end's a big if, reason why you can run the RPOs because that's the well, easiest I mean, throw to yes, make. Yes, or at least a good a percentage of those kind of, you know, like pop inside zone ones, you know, where you're drawing the line, the second, special, specifically the, the second level RPOs, right? The, the ones where the, the linebacker is the read, right? Because it, often, you know, you're, you're, Making the line, the you're making the linebacker choose between dropping into a zone where the the tight end is going to you know pop into and and sit and, and and wait, or pursuing the running back as the ball is supposed to be going to him. So and once the linebacker makes his choice, the quarterback makes his choice. Right. Um, so I I think you know that that that's easy. That's not. You could replicate that with outside with on third level stuff, you know, using the strong safety and wide receivers. But I think that there's a good portion of that, and that's why you see, like Philly, you know, they have a lot of tight ends who catch the ball at times because a lot of that RPO stuff is done with either inline tight ends or just slightly flexed tight end stuff. And and I think the Cowboys, 
you know, a portion of that was kind of tied to that. And so, you know, I think when we look back on this season, one thing that we're going to talk about was maybe undersold or under uh, talked about was the timing of Jason Witten's retirement. Uh, because I think that, yeah, I think that it really ended up that the Cowboys were caught a lot more off guard than we realize about that. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that, and then when you talk about Travis Frederick's, in, you know, situation, uh, ended up having such a massive effect on the offense stability wise, uh, that it, you know, like a spinning top, it kind of just started kiltering and then eventually came undone. And now we're in the process of trying to build it all back up. Right. And, and trying to like fit it back together with the pieces that we've got. Couple real quick questions. Uh, this one's from Stewie D. What's the best case scenario for the Cowboys for the rest of the season? I, I mean, you know, they go nine and zero, and they, we finish. You know, I should have added the word this? realistic. Yeah, in I mean, twelve and four. Uh, well, I mean, I, what's uh, like? Look, I'll I, answer. I this hate one. the prediction. I, I, like I hate the one. prediction game in the NFL because no one can predict what's going to happen week to week for God's sake. So trying to expand that out to a 16 win, win season, like is it absolutely outside the realm of possibility that the Cowboys go nine and zero and, and, and end up 12 and four dude, I've seen crazier things this season happen. So <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's that crazy, but I, can is I, it, can I is it also realistic? I, I, no, I like not, not really. No. Okay, please. <laughs> I think the best case scenario, and this would, this is not really a win loss thing, but that. Amari Cooper is the missing piece for this offense. And all of a sudden, now that they get a number one receiver back, their offense starts to function at a level that we are used to seeing from 2016, 2017. And Dak looks like the quarterback that we remember in the first 25, 32 games of the season. And maybe that brings them to 10 and six. Maybe they only go eight and eight, but if, if they can get back on track on offense and build some confidence in the second half of the season, I think that has to be the best case scenario, right? I mean, look, it is making the playoffs is still a very realistic goal. Sure, like I, I, I this is that is not, it's not even close to being out of out of the realm of possibility. You probably have to go play. what? You probably have to go seven and two the rest of the way, maybe six and three. But you also have four division games, you know, still left, and 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 winning the division is what you all, all you need to do, and it's not outside the realm of possibility. Washington is the first place team. How much do you trust Washington to run the table for the rest of the, of the division? I don't trust them at all. Philly is is tied with us right now and they're wrecked. Like, you know, if if you guys have watched Philly lately, they don't look exactly like the Philly we're we're used to seeing, you know, all the time. They have inconsistency, they're dealing with injury. They gave up 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter uh, against Carolina on at home. And they've got road games. Dallas against would the burn the to the ground. Dallas would burn to the ground if that happened. You know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they've. You know, it's still absolutely inside the realm of possibility that this team wins the division and goes to the playoffs. And then once they're in the playoffs, it's anyone's game. It's all about who's who's playing the hottest right then. Um, just really quickly, because I've been looking at these last couple of days to try to make myself believe that the Cowboys are still in it. Uh, the Eagles are sitting at three and four. And obviously, they still have two games left with the Cowboys. Uh, but they also have road games against the Saints and against the Rams and uh, against the Redskins. 
My guess at best, they probably go one and two in those games. And that would already give them six losses. I, I don't think this Eagles team is as good as it was last year. I, I, I actually think the Redskins are going to win this division considering their kind of easy schedule they have the rest of the way. But uh, the NFC East is just getting started with a win next week over the Titans. The Cowboys go four and four, you know, then we're, we're into the, the last eight games. If the Cowboys can go on a little four and two run, you never know what can happen. Uh, our last question um, comes from uh, Tom Gurmack, and I like this one. And you don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but he asks, after years of focusing on turnovers, we still don't create many turnovers. What are the real reasons why this Cowboys defense has failed to get turnovers? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I, I think that certainly luck is part of this. Like, it just is. I mean, like, because this, this turnover thing has predated four, like, at least three different defensive coordinators, two different types of defense being played, and, I mean, God only knows how many players. Um, right. So luck is 100% a factor. Um, I think that's I it. I think that, that... That's really it. You look at, like, Cleveland. They've got Greg Williams, and I know Marinelli and Chris Richard are better coaches than Greg Williams, and they're leading the lead, league in turnovers. And it doesn't make any sense. It's just it's pure luck in the NFL and creating turnovers. There's no consistency from year to year from team. Even a great defense like Minnesota last year is struggling to get turnovers this year. So I think you're right. I think it's 100% luck. I mean, it's it's if you look at the it's hard not to look at turnovers and correlate it to injuries. Right, because it's like it feels like if you try to follow the trends there, that they that they move kind of very similarly, you know, up and down year to year, and and you know, I think that there are things that obviously there are things just like injuries. Honestly, there are things that you can do to you know influence that and and change it a little bit here and there. But I think you could also move mountains and and only change your interception luck like you know five or ten percent. You know, like, and I, I think that that's my point is that it's not all luck, but I would say the vast majority of it is luck. You know, so um, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded too at, at the whole lack of turnovers thing. I, I think it's, 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 it's just, you know, and again, just all you have to do is watch the game. It's all the ball's oblong shaped. Ball bouncing up to his hands. Ball doesn't bounce back into his hands. It, that's that's the the kind of luck we're talking about. I think about the the Redskins game or play this week where the ball bounced off Alex Smith's shoulders and it got kicked right back into his hands. Like, yep. the dumb stuff happens like that every single week in the NFL. Uh, just luck. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate all your questions. We'll have to do this more often because. Uh, obviously, you guys like giving us your questions. So make yeah. sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCool, McCool BCB. Man, I messed that up. <laughs> you can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.